in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason Mounts. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tamori. Loses Callum Hudson. And oh, and there it is. His first goal. For Chelsea, the teenager, a moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. I'm Orlando and today is a special day. It is our 50th episode. Um, We were supposed to have a very special episode lined up for this one. You may have seen on social media, we did say that we were going to have Chelsea under 18 captain Charlie Wiggett on the podcast. We did get that recorded, but were unfortunately prevented from posting that one. We're still hopeful we might be able to get it up in the future, but due to sort of unforeseen circumstances, that wasn't able to be posted um, for the meantime. Um, so today I'm joined by Pari just for a little chat. We're going to give you some updates on a few projects we've been working on and then just also have a general chat about uh, the state of play uh, for Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, I'm just really excited. Things we've got planned. Yeah, so uh, the first one is really your project alone. I have to admit, I haven't put too much work into this one myself. Um, but yeah, I'll let, I'll let you talk about this one. We're, we're going to branch out to YouTube. Yeah, so really happy to say that we're going on YouTube. Um, but the YouTube is uh, basically a section where we're going to keep our best highlights from each of these episodes you've been listening to. So for example, the interview with Pat Nevin, the one we had with key moments uh, from each episode we're going to look to make 10 to 15 minute clips something around that and they'll be going up on the YouTube uh, just you know it's a good place to keep some of the best parts of our best episodes Um, but the full episodes they'll still be available on your listening platform whichever you're listening to at the moment Spotify, Google, iTunes, Amazon Music wherever you're listening to uh, it'll still be there um, and there won't be full episodes on YouTube yet, maybe in the future. Um, but at the moment, we're just doing clips there. Um, I think one more thing to mention is that um, it's the time of the year when everyone looks at their Spotify wrapped. Um, yeah. Something I'm not a huge fan of. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we, we did it for podcasting wise. And it said we've released 2,520 minutes of content this year. And considering we started only in March, that is just incredible, especially as we're uh, quality over quantity um, on all platforms we've had almost we're almost at 20,000 listens so that's just incredible so um, just a big thank you to all of you listeners uh, for sharing it around if you could keep on doing so and make sure you follow us incredible yeah that's a really proud achievement for me it's really nice that so many people are um, tuning in and listening to my voice chat about football that's quite uh, a bit of a surreal thing to think about but you know um glad that people uh enjoy it um moving on to another sort of new project um you may have seen we posted about this on social media a few days ago we have entered a partnership with um a new uh sort of media outlet called fan hub uh we're really delighted to to be in partnership with them um so it's basically a uh, a two-party partnership we're helping them they're helping us um fan hub's mission is to recognize and reward fans for their contributions to the to the beautiful game obviously you can see that in their name to put fans first they've got their hashtag hashtag fans first um so you can check out uh, their website you can put your email down on their website to get early access to their app which is coming soon that's fan-hub.com um but yeah we're going to be on there as their um as their exclusive Chelsea fan content uh, 
as part of a group called the which we're delighted to be a part of um and yeah we'll we'll be talking about that more in the future i'm sure um and anything i forgot to mention on there um not really but i think it's just important to mention as well i think it's really good timing with fans coming back this week oh absolutely um, something which we'll mention later but i think it's yeah i think it's perfect that people are now realizing how important fans are to football and what it means especially in england uh to the footballing game so i think it's perfect timing yeah it's really really nice um i'm sure we'll talk about the fans coming back uh in a moment but before that we're going to just uh do a quick review of um uh our recent game in the champions league against sevilla um first thing <laughs> quite blindingly obvious um but olivier Giroud, what a performance from him oh it's just incredible to be honest um just I don't know what to say. He scored four goals, perfect hat trick, and a penalty, which was really well taken, by the way, as well. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It's just a brilliant performance all round. And considering we rested like nine players or something like that, um, we made nine changes, a complete change in the back four. We still kept a clean sheet. The likes of uh, Azpilicueta, Emerson, Rudiger, Christensen have received criticism this season, uh, defending wise, but they turned up, and that's you know that's what it's all about. Mm, you mentioned Tony Rudiger and Andreas Christensen there. Obviously, um, well, Tony Rudiger was completely out in the cold. It, it seemed like he was going to leave in the summer transfer window, but he has now seemingly established uh, an, a role as as the third choice centre back back in in Frank Lampard's plans. Um, and Andreas Christensen actually hadn't played for two months before yesterday's game, um, and they were both pretty solid they, they had decent performances um but I guess the my main takeaway from both of those two starting um because I remember I think in in that league cut game against Spurs um about a month or two ago we saw Tomori uh play and he, he came into the team he seemed to be maybe third choice maybe fourth choice um but now he, he's not even you know playing when both centre-backs are, are left in London uh so what that suggests to me is that he is going to be going on loan in January. This is something I, I already knew, really. Um, but uh, this is kind of a, a public statement of that. Um, he has already had, well, the club have already had multiple offers. So it just, um, it's just they and him will choose because obviously he turned down that uh, move to West Ham on deadline day last window. So he, he's got to, he's, he's been very vocal, actually, in interviews about... Um, how it was very important to him that it's the right club, um, which I completely empathise with because we've seen in the past how bad, well, the wrong club can completely mess up someone's momentum, especially tomorrow you did so well in the Championship, came to the Premier League and did so well first season. You don't often see that. Um, so he'll want to, to kind of get back to where he was um, maybe the first half of, of the nineteen twenty season because he, he's fallen off a bit. But ho hopefully... He'll get that loan six months and, and can perhaps try and force his way back into Lampard's plans next season. Yeah, I, I think people are forgetting that he was player of the year under Frank Lampard at Derby and he played almost every single game. So there's no doubt that Lampard rates Tomori as a centre-half. He said it the other day that I have five centre-backs. I, I can't choose uh, I can't choose uh, the same player every single week. Um, so... Yeah, it's unfortunate because we don't really know what's happened. He is a very good centre-back and he's just been completely thrown out of the equation. But 
something must have happened. Maybe something hasn't happened and he's just not getting his game time. So I, the loan is the right move. And we just got to pray that he still sees a future at Chelsea and that it's not permanent in the future. Mm, yeah, I think for him not to be first choice or second choice centre-back this season is completely understandable, obviously, mm. with Thiago Silva having come in and Kurt Zuma playing so well. But to be um, not even playing when both of them are rotated is a bit... Well, it's not worrying, but it's just very clear um, mm. where he stands. So, obviously, that loan is, is benefits all parties, really. Um, well, assuming that the the, the loaning club uh, benefit from his presence there. But, um, yeah, talking about academy graduates, um, what this severe result does mean is that it's set up a complete dead rubber next week at Stamford Bridge against uh, Krasnodar, uh, the last um, game of the group. We've already won the group. Um, so so that does mean that there, there will, it is likely that there will be opportunities for perhaps some debuts, academy players. Henry Lawrence, he was supposed to travel to Valencia. He was training with the first team a few days before the, uh, sorry, not Valencia, why did I say that? To Sevilla. Um, he was supposed to travel to Sevilla, um, but I think there was a slight administrative error from Chelsea's medical team. They didn't, uh, well, UEFA need to um, receive all the COVID-19 tests um, in order to approve travel for all the players and Henry had his test later than all the other players, so they didn't send it off. And basically, he wasn't allowed to travel, so he had to stay behind, which is really unfortunate. Big shame, because especially considering the result, you'd like to think that he might have got a few minutes coming on as a sub at the end. But this game against Krasnodar is an even more, um, an even bigger chance for him to get some minutes, considering of how meaningless it is. Um, but a few other players, perhaps. Yeah, a few other players who we may see tomorrow um, against Leicester. Um, I was just thinking, I, was, I tweeted out today, we are so fortunate that the development game is tomorrow so that they can get rest yes. for Tuesday. Because if the game was on Sunday, they, they wouldn't have been able to play midweek Champions League. Um, so that's really good. Um, but yeah, so the likes of Tino Andrin, uh, who, uh, who made his debut last season against Grimsby and Everton. I spoke to someone close to him and they... He said he's not counting his chickens, but uh, there's a chance, well, maybe there's a chance he could feature next week, which would be incredible. And also Lewis Bate, who was on the bench against Sheffield United last season and has really impressed um, the likes of Jody Morris and Frank Lampard. So perhaps these three players could get a chance next week. Yeah, I think it would be really nice. I could understand Tino Tino Andrin not starting, considering Billy Gilmore is likely to start. That's two relatively inexperienced players starting in a midfield together. You, something you can understand, Frank Lampard perhaps not wanting that. Um, but personally, um, I'd like Henry Lawrence to play from the start. Not sure how realistic it is, but, you know, Emerson's not exactly got much of a future at the club, so may as well stick as Filiqueta there. We, I think it's clear to see that Alonso's got even less of a future than Emerson does. Um, so stick as Filiqueta left back, Henry right back from the start. I'd love to see that. Um, and a cheeky Lewis Bate bench appearance would would be nice as well. Um, but before that game, we do have um, Leeds United on Saturday, late kickoff for that one. The big question for this one that has been widely debated on Twitter, um, does Olivier Giroud keep his place after such a stellar performance in midweek? You see... I think oh, I feel so bad for saying this. The guy scored four goals, and I think any other opponent than Leeds 
I think there's no doubt that Giroud starts, but they do play a high line, and I I would play Werner as the nine. Um, I'd play Pulisic. Sorry, I'd play a Hudson Odoi, Werner, Ziyech, front three. Um, Tammy, Tam, I wouldn't mind Tammy starting either. Yeah, he missed probably a few more chances than we would have liked against um, Spurs, but he, you know what, he's been one of our best players this season, and a Tammy Werner. Uh, Ziyech front three is incredible, but I, w- I would go Hudson Odoi, Werner, and Ziyech. It's really harsh on Giroud, but I think tactically it's just going to help us. And Leeds are a very strong team. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that Oli is coming into form just ahead of this game that really basically doesn't suit him and is almost perfectly suited to either Tammy Abraham or Timo Werner at number nine because. Mm-hmm you know, with Leeds' high line, with their kind of relative, uh, relatively unphysical centre-backs, Tammy, you can say Tammy would would really kind of ragdoll them. Um, the likes of Robin Koch, perhaps. Um, despite him being a really good player, he's he's not very physically imposing. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got Timo Werner. Obviously, we all know his, his pace in behind and, and uh, rapid movement off the shoulder. Um and that can hurt them in other ways. Perhaps the combination of the two um, is the most likely and probably the most, um, the one that would bear the most fruit. But um, personally, I agree with you. I think Timo Werner should start as the number nine, maybe harsh on Tammy Abraham, because I personally thought, just, I've just got to say this. He, he was really good for Spurs. Like, I saw people saying that Olivier Giroud, would have scored those chances. I'm sorry. I love Olivier Giroud. He's a great player. He would not have been there for those chances, right? He wouldn't have been there. Um, He wouldn't have got into the position. Tammy also, he he tore their centre-backs apart all game. He was integral to our whole play. He, we, like... There is no way we would have had as many chances without him. Obviously, the chances, most of them, they fell to him. So, that in themselves... That in itself is testament to, to his good play. Obviously, he didn't quite finish them. They were all pretty tricky. Um, and, you know, the other thing I keep on seeing is people saying, um, oh, well, he could have at least got one of the shots on target. Um, and I really don't understand this fixation with getting shots on target because, obviously, most of these chances were sort of glancing headers. And you can clearly see that Tammy's getting the right technique. He knows what he's doing. Um, he knows what he needs to do. You're aiming for the corners. If you get it on target, you get it straight at the keeper. What's that going to do? You're not going to score. If you're aiming for the corners, which, as you should, as a top-level striker or of any striker, Sunday League striker, you should still be aiming for the corners, you're obviously going to be more likely your shots are going to be off target than on target. That that indicates that he's doing the right thing. So I, I don't really understand people's obsession with, with getting shots on target. It doesn't make much sense to me. Um but yeah, uh, sorry, slight rants on <laughs> on what I've seen on I th- Twitter. I think the last few weeks. Um, it's also important to mention that Reese James's crosses. Well, yes. I'm I'm linking this back to so the Giroud's header against Sevilla. That's against uh, well, by the way, a really good cross from Kante. Yeah. Um, but that's got a lot more like spin, and uh, it was very accurate compared to like a complete lack of pace. Where obviously Reese James's crosses are extremely accurate, but they are coming in so quickly. And unless it's on the ground, those are really hard chances. On the ground, yeah, I'd expect Tammy to score quite a few of those. But when it's in the air and you have to glance at those are much harder than what Giroud uh, had yesterday. 
Mm, and I think we all know that Tammy has to improve in the air for a guy who's six foot five. Um, well, he says he's six foot five. I think it's a bit debated how tall he actually is, but around that height, for a guy of that height, he needs to be better in the air. That's that's unquestionable, mm. um, and and that is the main aspect of his game that I'm sure he'll be looking at improving in the next however long. But you know, I really think it's harsh to put any sort of slight on him for for the chances that he missed against Spurs. Um, and you know, I can back that up with some stats if you like, because altogether, all of those chances were under one xG. So that means there are three or four of them. They each probably about zero point two xG each. You can't really expect a goal from that. Obviously, on a nice day, perhaps he scores one, but you can't. It can't be an expectation. That's just completely unrealistic. Um, with regards to to the Leeds game, uh, the other, perhaps the only other real um, point of um, discussion in team selection is uh, Mateo Kovacic or Kai Havertz because I think well obviously both of them started um, against Sevilla but I think Kovacic actually had a really good game um, and he, he's impressed me we all know how good Kai Havertz is obviously he's still regaining top-notch match fitness after uh, being out with coronavirus but um just on Kovacic in general, he's really impressed me um, playing at that more advanced number eight um, over the last few weeks. Yeah, he has. Um, yesterday, he did play a bit deeper, closer to Jorginho, yeah. um, where he was. That's probably his most natural position, or if you're his probably most natural, actually, is in the three at the back next to Kante. Um, but yeah, he's been really impressive. He's a player who I thought would get less game time due to Mountain and Havertz being the eights, which we have seen a little bit this season, uh, especially as people were calling him uh, due to him being player of the season, like, oh, he's going to get minutes every single game. That's not the case because uh, different types of games, you need different types of players. And against the low block, um, that's where Havertz, Mount Kante midfield really works. But it's not going to be like that against Leeds. And I said it yesterday, I, I would personally start Kovacic um, instead of Havertz and that's one reason is because Havertz isn't fully fit Lampard keeps on uh, re-emphasising the fact that he had really bad symptoms of Covid um, and we even spoke to Alison the other day when she was saying that she's still she's just about got full recovery back um, after mm, four or five she had weeks. it months ago yeah yeah um, so um, and, and sorry Leeds is midfield with Calvin Phillips that's an extremely uh They've got a really strong midfield and attack. Um, so I, I would play Kovacic, yeah. Something that I would say, I, I don't think this will happen, but something that I would do if I were Frank Lampard is actually stray away from the single six, four through three, because against Leeds, it's, Leeds, it's always going to be a real high intensity, um, kind of high tempo game. Um, and in those games, we know that N'Golo Kante is just, probably the best player in the world to play in those kind of games in midfield um and for that i would not want his positional um his, his positioning to be limited um so i would at least go for a double pivot perhaps have kovacic playing a bit deeper which allows kante to roam slightly further forward or even well even bringing billy gilmore maybe Maybe George, I wouldn't have Jorginho because they're just going to, you know, he, he's slow and it's a fast game. So, you know, that's not, that's quite simple, <laughs> not too complicated. But um, <laughs> yeah, I would, I think I would go with a double pivot of Kante and um, 
Kovacic and then mount at number 10 slightly further forward so he can, you know, really get into that high press, which we know he's so good at. Perhaps he's not as good on the ball. I think most Chelsea fans are, are in agreement of that. He, his technical skills are more suited to him playing at eight than number 10. But I think for in this game, considering the opposition, I think it would be, he would be more suited to, to a number 10 position with Kante and, and Kovacic slightly uh, deeper. Um Something that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, this this is the first game at Stamford Bridge with fans back in the stadium. Uh, only 2,000 of them as London is a tier two lockdown area. Um, but it'll be great to see. It's, it's awesome that the uh, there was a ballot. The season ticket holders from, from last season got to enter, obviously. Well, I think it's probably slightly less than 2,000 to a successful due to, you know, some will go to corporate, etc. But... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing them on, on my TV. Yeah, I mean, it's much needed. I've been saying for the last few months, I just want to get back in Stamford Bridge. The last game mm. I went to was Bayern Munich 3 0. Me lost. too. <laughs> um, Me too. So, interesting fact last season, uh, whenever I went to Stamford Bridge, we had never won. And before that, we had never lost for my personal <laughs> attendance. So uh, talking about luck with Frank Lampard, not so great. So hopefully we can sort that out this season. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be incredible to see fans back. And um, although they'll be spread out, I'm sure they'll still be cheering the team on. You and I can't go to um, games at Stamford Bridge for the time being, um, because obviously we, we weren't season ticket holders last season. But I know, well, together we're planning to perhaps go and see uh, the dev squad at Kings Meadow at some point. Um, they do play Leicester in, in the Premier League 2 on Friday night. Um, the last game for most of the players in that squad, or at least the ones that were eligible, um, was the the 8-1 demolition of Barnsley in the FA Youth Cup. Obviously, that was, that's an under-18 uh, competition, so some of the players are, are too old to... to um, some of the players in the under twenty three squad are too old, were too old to play in that game, but you know a lot of them are dropping down from the twenty threes to play in the eighteens, obviously because FA Youth Cup is such a prestigious, important competition. Um, but yeah, so obviously you've got Jude Sunsup Bell four goals, just insane on fire, but then you've got three other absolute, ridi- absolutely ridiculous goals. Um, and another from Tino Livermento, not quite as high in the quality, but a great <laughs> finish nonetheless. Um, yeah, it was just incredible, wasn't it? Oh, it was amazing. Every single goal was an absolute screamer. Uh, Elliot scored um, a free kick from a really tight angle. Uh, Bates scored an absolute worldie from outside the box, probably 30 yards out, and he just hit it top bins. Harvey Vale then uh, won the ball back extremely well and just fin- places it top corner like it's nothing. Like... It was when you, we, we scored, like we were one nil up in a few minutes. And from then, you know, it's game over, but you don't know it's going to be 8 1. Um, but they, they were really on fire. And the defence, which has looked a bit shaky this season, um, they really turned up and they were really solid at the back. Mm. Question Which was the best goal? <laughs> Multi million dollar so, question. Yeah, so we put, we put a poll of that out, didn't we, on the Chelsea spot? And mm. so I, I did vote for Jude's fourth goal I think it was well whichever one yeah. the one where you went about past about five players and back killed it in the corner but I looked at it I, I watched each goal again I watched the highlights three four times and I started <laughs> favoring towards Lewis's goal yeah because as I'm a midfielder myself and I could dream of taking that shot and just going top in because he's hit it on the half volley he's kept his head down 
a lot of the time that goes into Rosette. It's just, yeah, I mean, I couldn't choose, but I think I'm going towards Lewis. For me, there's, I don't think it can ever be beaten. A volley, a rising volley into the top corner when the camera's just behind it. I think you have to applaud Jude's nonchalance with that incredible back heel finish. You have to applaud Harvey Harvey Vale's tenacity in winning the ball back, shifting it in about one one or two touches and hitting it top bins. That one, I think, is slightly underappreciated and an insane goal. Um, but yeah, I'm um, announcing that the, the Chelsea Spot Award of goal of the match um, does go to Lewis Bate from, from both of us. It's just, just a fantastic strike. And hopefully we'll see him involved, um, perhaps with the first team, as we were saying, um, on Tuesday against Krasnodar. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously, as I said, playing against Leicester Friday night in PL2 should be a, a nice um, game for some players who weren't able to play in that game. Um, I'm thinking guys like Danel Simeu, Marcel Lewis, um, George Nunn. George Nunn hasn't had the best start to the season, but I do think he, he is quite a good striker. Um, and, and I'd like to see him perhaps getting uh, first. Well, he has scored one goal, but uh, really kind of get, getting some momentum and, and starting scoring goals this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, it would also be interesting to see whether Jude is involved tomorrow. Um, perhaps, yeah. Perhaps there is, he, he does have Fia Bema and uh, none in front of him, so it's not going to be easy for him. But we also do have to remember he is 16 years old. Um, mm. Like some of the claims I've been seeing on Twitter, like, oh, start him next week against Krasnodar. Uh, no. Um, let him play for the 23s first. You know, um, he hasn't even played for the 23s. He's still been playing for no, the 23s. No. So, so he- he turned 17 in in January when he'll sign his first professional contract. Um, mm. So, you know, obviously first-year scholar. Um, but yes, he he has been with the under-18 so far this season, but they do actually have two strikers now behind him. There's Malik Mothersill, who's mm. uh, been the number two so far this season, but there's also Alexi Haino, who has signed, I think, from a, a Finnish club. Um, and the international clearance came through for him to to make his debut, I think, in the under-17 Premier League Cup uh, about a week ago. So he's now allowed to play as well. They're all uh, first-year scholars. So there is room for Jude to move up, start playing. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's apt cover in the under-18. So, yeah, that that is something that, that is likely to happen at some point this season. And, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I don't think it will happen quite yet, to be honest. Um, but perhaps January we might see the dev squad shuffle up about a bit with a few players going out on loan um I think there's a chance they might move to a two striker formation especially if Tino Andrin goes out because there are quite a lot of um just in order to get people the right amount of minutes um but yeah that'll be interesting to see Mm. all right I think that wraps it up really slightly shorter episode than usual today I hope that's all right with you um but yeah make sure to keep out for uh keep an eye out for our our new projects coming soon um as Pari said at the top youtube is is it already out or is it coming out it's already out we're gonna tweet it probably as soon as you're listening if you're listening on the thursday night um so yeah make sure to go and subscribe there yeah please subscribe the chelsea spot on youtube um i'm sure you already are but if you're not Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram and check out our website for some great articles. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.